Now, I wish that I had uh, 20 pounds, not in Northern Bank notes, uh, but 20 pounds for every time somebody has said to me, Christmas is for children. Now, maybe some of the girls and boys here would like to dispute with that and say that's a very good idea. And Christmas is for kids, but it's not just for kids because the Bible tells us it's good news for all people that Jesus has come. But what I want to think about this morning is that Christmas is for little people. I wonder, have you noticed that when you listen to the stories of Jesus' birth, mainly from Luke, because he writes the most about it. But what if you noticed that the big players in the story are actually the little people? Yes, important people are mentioned, like Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor. Herod the Great, the Jewish ruler, is mentioned. The religious leaders are mentioned, but they're mentioned in a kind of a negative way. The important people, the big players, are the little people like Elizabeth and Zachariah, like Simeon, like Joseph, like Mary. But I want to speak about the, the littlest Christmas person today. Is there such a word as littlest? There is, thank you very much. My spell checker didn't throw up a, a squiggly red line below it, and my grammar checker didn't throw things at me from it, so I assumed that there was. The littlest person in Christmas, I wonder do you know who the littlest person is? Let's have a guess here, come on. You're usually quite quick here. Who, who do you think is the littlest person in the Christmas story? Oh, there's somebody who's going to tell me, yep. Well, Jesus is the littlest person. I wasn't thinking about him. That, that, that he, he was, yeah, he definitely was, but this is the next littlest person. Who do you think is the next littlest person to it? I, you get them all right. You, you got it before. It's Anna. See, I'll give you a clue in the reading. If you judge by the column inches that Luke gives to people, she gets the least. She gets three verses. Luke 2, 36, 37, and 38. There are other reasons why she was the littlest person. Um, in a male-dominated world, she was actually a woman. I wouldn't classify her as the first feminist, but there you are. She's, 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 she's definitely a woman. And also, she was an old woman. Now, there's sort of dispute about what age she was, and she never asked a lady her age uh, if you don't want trouble. But she was either 84 years old or she was 105 years old. So she was no sort of bright young thing upon whose word everybody waited with eager expectation. And another thing about Anna, and Luke tells us, she could be regarded as a wee bit eccentric, someone who was a bit over the top in her religious devotion. At the end of verse 37, Luke tells us she never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. So if anybody wanted to find Anna, they would always find her in the temple. She was, a, she was pretty religious. 
And he put all those together, she, there's a good case for her being the littlest Christmas person. But she came across Jesus when Jesus was about seven weeks old. Joseph and Mary had made the short journey from Bethlehem to the temple in Jerusalem in order to perform two rites set out in the Old Testament ceremonial law. Joseph and Mary brought Jesus with them that they might perform the purification sacrifice. The Old Testament law said that if a lady gave birth to a child, she was ceremonially unclean. She wasn't allowed to come to worship God until after 40 days she offered this uh, purification sacrifice. And Mary and Joseph came to do that. And Luke tells us that the sacrifice was, um, what was it? What was it? Will I find it here? Oh, here. Two pair of doves or two young pigeons, which was a, the poor person's sacrifice. And they also came to perform another ritual, the, the redemption ritual. The firstborn, the oldest in every family, had to be bought back. And because Jesus was the oldest, he had to be bought back. So they, they were up in the temple, and they came, Anna came across them. The baby Jesus, seven weeks old, in his mother's arms. And what she says about Jesus in verse 38 of Luke 2 indicates that even though she might have been the littlest Christmas person, she was fully aware of the significance of Jesus' birth. She was aware, first of all, that this baby was actually the Redeemer. Verse 38, Luke tells us that Anna spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, I was trying to think about how would I explain redemption? Maybe some of the girls and boys could help me here. Do you watch News Round? Do you watch News Round? No? Yeah, somebody, yeah, you watch News Round is on before Neighbours, so I thought everybody watched. I told you I was a news junkie, you see, I even watched News Round. And News Round last week carried the story of the two French journalists who had been kidnapped in Iraq and how they'd been released. Did you see that story on News Round, the person who watched News Round? And they'd been released, and there's suspicion going round that the French government paid money to the kidnappers to get them released. Maybe they didn't, I don't know, but sort of tongues are wagging a wee bit about that. And if that had been in Jesus' time, that would have been called redemption. Money would have been paid, a price would have been paid to buy people out of slavery. And Anna too would have been thinking about one of the most important moments in Israel's history, in fact, the defining moment in Israel's history, her mind would have flashed back to the time of the Exodus when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And God promised that he himself would come and rescue them from their slavery. And that would be achieved through the death of a perfect lamb. We know the story. The lamb was killed and its blood was daubed on the doorframe of the house. And when the angel of death, God himself, passed over the land, there was a death in every house, either the firstborn 
or alam. And God rescued his people through the death of a lamb, and he redeemed them. And each year, God's people remembered that great event at the Passover, how God had rescued them from slavery in Egypt at the cost of the death of a lamb. But folks, the the Old Testament spoke about a greater slavery than physical and political enslavement. It spoke about a slavery to sin. It pointed out how we were under sin's control, and we were unable to break free from sin's stranglehold in our lives, no matter how we tried. And, And this week is the week in the year that is a monument and reminds us all that we are slaves to sin. Because what will happen in this week is that people like me will say, I'm going to eat less in 2005, or I'm going to do this in 2005, and I'm going to do that in 2005. And then by the 2nd of January, I'm going to go, do, missed it again. And we're all the same. We have things that we've said in this past year we're going to do, and we haven't done them. Most of us have said, I'm not going to leave my Christmas shopping to the last minute. But there we were at six o'clock in Sainsbury, scrummaging with the rest of the people fighting for a car parking space to get in and buy the last minute stuff. We've got this thing within us that we, we, we make promises to ourselves, to God, that we're going to do things. We don't do them. We fail. Something stops us from doing it. We're, we're, we're controlled by forces outside of ourselves. Sin has a stranglehold in our lives, and the, and the Old Testament pointed to that. But it also alluded to the hope that one day God himself would come and set people free from this slavery to sin. And in the baby Jesus, Anna saw the promised Redeemer, the promised Savior who would pay the price of our redemption and so free us from sin and the horrendous consequences of its control over our lives. And you see, that's what the Christmas story is all about. It's not really the story of a a helpless baby in a stable, as beautiful as that may be. It's not really about angel choir singing or gifts from wise men or wonders of the shepherds. The heart of the Christmas story is this, as Peter puts it, that you have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect that as many of the Christmas carols remind us that there was a direct road from Bethlehem to the cross and that Jesus came to redeem. Anna was not only aware that Jesus was the redeemer, but that he was also the fulfillment of all God's promises. Verse 38 speaks about how Anna, along with others, was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So if you're looking forward to something, You know, it's here and it's in the future. 
Now, all the important people, as far as folk were concerned, like the Roman emperor and Herod and the religious people, they weren't looking forward to the coming of the Redeemer. They were too busy with all their wheeling and dealing to have much time for this Old Testament stuff about the promise of a coming Redeemer. It was the little people, like Anna, who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She saw in the Old Testament institutes of prophet, priest, and king. She saw in the Old Testament sacrificial system. She saw in the Old Testament teaching and in the Old Testament covenants the promise of a future Redeemer. And when Anna saw the baby Jesus, seven weeks old, cradled in his mother's arms, she saw there the fulfillment of all God's promises. Here at last was the one who was Emmanuel, God himself with us in human flesh, to be our Savior. Here at last was the one who would be God's supreme king, setting up God's rule in people's lives as they trusted in him. Here at last was the one who would be God's great priest, dealing with sin in a radical and effective way by his own death. Here at last was the one who would be God's final word to humanity, showing people what God was like so we don't have to guess, and showing us what God wants us to do. Here at last was the one who was the climax of God's covenant, bringing God's blessing to all nations, reigning over God's people, and ushering in God's new covenant. And that, that was amazing. If you think about it, here was a, a seven-week-old baby lying in his mother's arms from two peasant people, a young couple from out in the sticks, not from the big city. And she looked at that, and God gave her the faith to see that that was the Redeemer, the one in whom God's promises were all fulfilled. Folks, I don't know about you, but I certainly don't buy into the idea that Christmas is just for kids but certainly it is for little people like Anna and probably like you and me as well. I don't know. I, I got a Christmas card from the mayor of Castlereagh Borough Council. Does that make me an important person? I'm not quite sure why, why I got it there, but most of us aren't very important. I don't, I don't know. Maybe somebody here did get invited to the big do at Beckingham Palace last week, but... Uh, uh, I certainly didn't. None of us are on the who's who list or the A list. We're not very important people, so we're told. But Christmas is for little people because we have the chance to think and see that this baby that was born lying in the manger, the littlest person in the Christmas story, was actually the Savior of the world, the Redeemer, the one in whom all God's promises were fulfilled. That God had said he would send someone to rescue us from our sins, and God has kept his word. That's why we can trust God, because he keeps his word, 
and he says that if we trust in Jesus, if we come like Anna and worship him, then he will come to us and forgive us and be with us and strengthen us and help us and fill us with hope that one day we will be with him and see him face to face. May you know this joy in your heart at this Christmas time. May you be given the insight to see Jesus as the world's redeemer, the fulfillment of all God's promises. And as you trust in him, amid all the busyness of what's going on, you know his peace and joy at this time. Let's pray for a moment.